Welcome to the Be Daring Life podcast. We are your hosts, Hudson. And Rachel. And today we're interviewing Josh Apple. We asked Josh to come today because we have some kids in our community who are interested in careers in the military. Josh is a combat controller, which is a special operator in the Air Force. He is the recipient of a Bronze Star Combat Action Medal. Thanks for coming today, Josh. Thank you for having me. All right. So we just were wanting to ask you some questions about your job and how you got to where you are today. Was being in the Air Force something you always wanted to do? Uh, you know, I think growing up, I always had an appreciation. I think like most young boys, you know, you always love the military and like playing with G.I. Joes and things like that. Um, so I can't say it was always something I wanted to do, but, uh, you know, in the back of my mind, I always thought it was an admirable um, avenue to pursue uh, and had a lot of respect for the people that did it. You were you were older, though, when you went into the military. I, I was. Um, yeah, I kind of went back on back and forth with it. Um, the last couple of years before I joined, and uh, and ultimately ultimately made that decision to uh, to join. Yeah. Uh, so were you like the old guy? I was. <laughs> I turned thirty in basic training. Um, most of the guys that were going for my job specifically as a combat controller, uh, most of them were between eighteen and twenty-two. So, what led you to the Air Force over the other branches of the military? So that was, this was interesting. Whenever I, you know, I finally really started looking into to jobs in the military, um, I knew that I wanted to do, you know, I wanted to challenge myself and I wanted to be involved uh, in special operations. So I kind of ser- started searching out because everybody hears of Army Special Forces, Army Rangers, Navy SEALs, and I'd never really heard of the Air Force uh, Special Operations Programs. Um, so I had a good friend of mine that I, I grew up uh, with in church um, who was a Green Beret, an Army Special Forces uh, member. And I was talking to him about it, you know, just getting his ideas of what he thought was out there. And, and he told me about Air Force Combat Control and told me what a cool job it was. And that you got to jump and ride dirt bikes and shoot and call in airstrikes, dive. It's like, man, that sounds pretty cool. And then I had another friend that was a SEAL, and uh, he kind of said the same things. And so I figured if that job would, you know, be in such high regard to a, an Army Special Forces guy and a Navy SEAL that it was worth looking into. So I started doing my research, and I, I just thought it was a really cool job because uh, you're an integrator of air power on the ground. So you're a ground special operator that integrates with other elite special operations teams, but then also gets to control all the air power. So I thought it just brought a unique capability to it. Sounded yeah. really cool. I have never heard of a combat controller. Most people it's like have a secret. It. I don't know if it's a secret. <laughs> the uh, Tyrese and Transformers, the guy that wore the red beret, the guy that was calling in the airstrikes. Uh-huh. If you've ever seen Transformers, that's about the only movie press that that we've ever gotten. Did you do anything to prepare for joining the Air Force? I did a lot. Um, obviously, being a little bit older, uh, you know, you're a little more prone to injury. With any special operations program, there's a lot of physical, you know, strain that goes into it. You know, most of the special operations, what we call pipelines or training um, iterations to get you to where you, you're operational, last about two years, uh, which is true for combat control, sometimes a little bit longer. So I had to do a lot of research. You have to pass a physical stamina test before you even get in, which can consist of running, swimming, pull-ups, sit-ups, push-ups. 
um, things like that. So, uh, yeah, I had to, had to get good in the pool. I had to get a friend of mine who, who swam uh, in college to teach me how to, how to really be able to, you know, swim fast enough to make the times. Not only that, but to learn um, the underwater swimming techniques because you have to develop your breath hold and things like that. Obviously, sometimes they tie your hands and feet and throw you in a pool and you got to bob up and down in the pool or you have to swim with your hands and feet tied, um, which are all techniques that you have to learn. You can't just throw everything on and, you know, think that you can do it. Uh, So I had to get pretty serious about running and training and just building my endurance um, so that I could make those standards to get in. Do most people that are wanting to do that? Do most of them train before they even get there? Oh, you have to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you have to train. Uh, and that's why that that, um, that physical ability, stamina test, the, the recruiter is going to give that. You have to pass that um, before you can even get a contract to go in and do those jobs. Do you, do they, do you have to know anything like math? Do um, they teach? I mean, because you have to figure stuff out, right? You gotta... Yeah. So you have the, uh, the ASVAB. Um, which is, is kind of ubiquitous across the, uh, the services, and it's just an aptitude test, you know, testing your reading comprehension and math and stuff like that. And so every job in the military, there's a certain score that you have to make in order to be considered for that job. So, yeah, you have to go in and take the ASVAB, and then as long as you make that score in conjunction with your physical scores, then you're eligible to get a contract for that, that job. How long did basic training last? Uh, basic training in the Air Force is only about eight weeks for us. Yeah, maybe eight and a half. But you said you trained for two years for the special. We do, correct. Yeah, we. it's, so you it's went not basic, just basic training. And then you went to the next one and then the next yep. one. Yeah, it's, so it's called a pipeline. For us specifically, you would do um, your basic training. And then after that, we went to what they call the operators course. Or um, for us, it's air traffic control school. So, because that's one of the core skills that we have to do is, is um, be an air traffic controller. One of our legacy missions, or combat control's legacy missions, uh, was airfield seizures. So you could jump into an airfield, secure that airfield with you know a group of rangers or another partner force, and then you actually were on the ground able to, to bring in the air traffic in order to build out that, that airfield and secure it. For us, the pipeline is, is rather long, so it's basic training, then air traffic control school, which is about... Um, I believe it was 12, 13 weeks. So you do about two or three hours of physical training in the morning, you know, pool workouts, beach runs, all that stuff. And then you have to go through air traffic control school later on in the day. Um, So it's a challenging school. You know, academically, we'll lose guys there. Physically, guys will drop on request or quit. Oh, I'm sorry, I missed it. Immediately after um, basic training, we have our selection course. So at the time, that was a two-week course. And it's just all physical tests, you know, to see just working out all day long and getting smoked and tired. And uh, So how long is a normal day? I know sometimes they just don't let you sleep and stuff. But how long is a normal? Man, there are no normal days. I don't know. It's hard <laughs> to say. Um, yeah, there's just different events designed for different things. Right. So, like, yeah. what is the longest time in a day that you've trained? Or the longest you've gone without sleep? Uh, downrange or in training? In training. Oh, I don't know, 36 hours or so maybe. Well, no, probably longer than that. Probably a couple days. You'll sneak stuff here and there, but... Like you just, uh, you're so exhausted, you just... Yeah, you're going to nod off. Yeah. Sure. Um, but as far as, did you want to know the whole 
training pipeline, no, like all the schools and yeah, everything. Yeah, no, it takes a long time. I think unless you're in the thing, yeah. you, you won't really know about you, it. You can't relate. Yeah. Yeah, but the, I mean, the big one is like basic qualifications, like you have to go to jump school and then you have to go to military free fall school. That sounds fun. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That's the most fun school. Combat divers course. Are you joking or not? Military no, free I fall? Can't tell. Oh, free fall is a blast. Okay. Skydiving. I mean, you get paid to skydive. How long did that last? It's a month. It's about a month long. Really? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't think it'd be that complicated. Well, there's a lot of risk involved. Your pull cord um, breaks. <laughs> well. So you do about, uh, you'll spend the first week in a wind tunnel, just learning how to fly your body and things like that, and then you go into your, it's fun, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, and then you go into your your day individual jumps, and then once you can pass that, then you have to start jumping with all your equipment, then equipment and oxygen mask, an oxygen mask weapon, you know, you do a build-up, then you start doing grouping jumps where you jump as a group and try and land at a designated drop zone and things like that. so. So what was the hardest thing that you went through in training? So there's an interesting quote. It was day one after selection. One of the cadre looked at us when we finished the day, and he said, congratulations, that was day one for the next two years. What is a cadre? Cadre is like an instructor. Ah. So he said, congratulations, that was day one of the next two years. I was like, oh, man. And I think you'll hear most guys say it's, I can never really look back on one or two specific events, although there's very difficult events. But it's just the grind. It's just getting up and doing it every single day. So how do you mentally do that? Um, For me, it came down to, I think, a schedule, you know, uh, having a routine that you stick with. You get up at a specific time, you know, you set aside so much time to eat, set aside so much time to get where you need to be, and then obviously the training events, you have no control over that. Then when you get done, you know, taking the time to recover, stretch, do your ice baths, uh, whatever it may be, make sure you're drinking plenty of water. You normally have to study material for the next day, spend so much time studying, getting in bed at a specific time. I mean, it's... Did you ever have the thought, oh man, maybe I shouldn't have picked this? <laughs> the only time I thought that was actually in basic training, believe it or not. And it wasn't because things were difficult. I expected things to be difficult and hard. I think, you know, basic training is, obviously there's a and this is just me personally speaking, I don't speak for the Air Force or anything, but basic training has to be designed for, you know, an 18-year-old right out of high school to maybe teach them some life lessons and some basics that um, being a little bit older in life, you just kind of expect other people to have. Right. So I think that's what frustrated me more than anything. You were like, get it together. Yeah, (laughs) so some of the guys get it together or just in general, like, come on, man, like, this is just basic stuff, making right. making timelines, like cleaning up after yourselves, you know, checking your uniform, things like that. So, right. starching your shoes. Yeah. Starching your shoes. Wait, no, that's Polishing your boots. Yeah. Can you cut that out? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Um, I'd say if I had to pick one hardest part, so kind of the big buildup for us at combat dive schools is what, is what they call one-man competency drills. Um, there was even a show, I think, that was on the Discovery Channel or maybe... Where they showed them doing yeah, it. Yeah, and that was... It's it's tough. And, and I think just because you know that a lot of people struggle with it, you put extra pressure on yourself and you're just... Whenever you're going through it, you know, you have to really go through your procedures and keep yourself calm, you know, because... You start thinking like, oh man, I don't want to fail this and get washed back or get eliminated because of this. So, you know, when I did it, I, I don't feel like it was ex- 
you know, especially hard, but I prepared a lot for it. So it felt like a big weight off my shoulders when I got it over with. I felt like, okay, I, I think I can make it the rest of the way. Was there anything you weren't expecting during training? Um, or in general? You know, I think a lot of times we make things worse in our mind than what they are. And you would even see that with guys that quit. You know, it, it, it always surprised me because guys would normally quit first thing in the morning. And it was because they psyched themselves out overnight you know they remembered what they went through in the day and they start thinking like man I'm I don't know if I can keep doing this I don't know if I can keep doing this and so when you're in it you know you're just you're there with the other guys and you're going through it and you can stop and feel sorry for yourself but it doesn't get you anywhere so it's it almost becomes not even worth dealing with um but I I think a lot of guys make it worse in their mind than it really is because it's like anything else you know it's a progression they don't just immediately start off you know, with the hardest scenarios ever, right? They put you in situations that are difficult and test you and, you know, probably going to make you fail, but then they get you better and better and there's a progression. So I can't say there, there wasn't anything I was expecting. I think I went in with armed with as much knowledge as I could. There were some surprises some days, but... Uh, but you can't divulge those because... Yeah. <laughs> it's a secret. Do they... I know the SEALs... They have to ring the bell if they're quitting, right? Mm-hmm. Do you guys? Does that? Yeah, we had an air horn uh-huh. that was there. Wake you so. all up in the morning when you're quitting. <laughs> What's that? Well, no, you just had to. If you said, "Hey, I don't want to be here anymore," they'd be like, "All right, ring the horn and tell us that you don't want to be here anymore." So, I think every school has a little something different. You have a bell. There's air horns. Yeah, everybody's got their little thing, but it seems like for most of ours, it was just the air horn. Do you have any funny stories? Man, let's come back to that question. I'll keep thinking about it. There's <laughs> lots of funny stories. but So what did you learn about yourself, and did it change the way you think about yourself? You know, I think it did. I think one of the things that led me to, to pursue this career field is other friends that I had in similar career fields, they just carried themselves differently. You know, they had seen the world in a different way. They had experienced things that most normal people don't. Um, experience or even think about in day-to-day life and I think it was that X factor that I saw in people that I wanted to um, you know not only prove to myself but but just be a part of would you say it's like confidence they have a, oh, a yeah. different confidence that normal people don't have like yeah like you can't shake them yeah I think it's a confidence and just a self-respect I guess is, is another way that you could say it in that you as you're going through the process, you start to see, and you hear it all the time, you know, people say like, man, you're capable of so much more than you think you you are. Uh, and it's just because we're creatures of comfort, you know? Right. We like comfort. We don't like to put ourselves in the grind. So when you submit yourself to the process, you're basically giving up control of your comfort. You're saying, okay, I'm gonna submit myself to this process and see what it makes me, right? And when you do that, you lose the ability to choose what you want to do. You know, it's not like, well, I'm tired now, I'm going to go home. No, you don't have that option. So as you continue to submit yourself to the process, you begin to learn like, wow, I'm capable of so much more. Whenever other people push me and set this standard for me, I will attain it. Did you learn anything about other people that surprised you? Yeah, I, I, I think one of the things I wasn't expecting was the amount of talented individuals that I would be around. I mean, we had guys that were 
you know, I've, I've been around one guy who was, you know, on the Patriots, the NFL Patriots for a little while. I had one guy that was a race car driver. You know, I think those career fields just naturally attract, you know, very driven and competent individuals. And so I think that was one of the coolest surprises for me is being around these guys that just had these crazy backgrounds, you know, and, you know, kind of like me, decided that they wanted to challenge themselves and see if they could do something. So that was that was kind of neat. That's what I was surprised about. You know, I was surprised on some levels of how it seemed how, how much some guys didn't understand what the job entailed. You know, they just thought they'd show up day one and, hey, here's your parachute and here's your night vision goggles and here's this. And, like, it's just like Call of Duty. Let's go do it. I think it surprised me that they were um, not expecting the process that it was. And maybe that's just because they were young or maybe their recruiter gave them, you know, different ideas of what to expect. I don't know. But I was always surprised when guys were like, oh, this isn't what I thought it would be. Like, well, man, what did you think they were going to do for you? you know? <laughs> did just, you ever meet anyone famous? Did I ever meet anyone famous? Through the military? Yeah. Like, while you were in training? Um, you know, we sometimes we'd have athletes come to some of our training schoolhouse. I think LeBron James came to our training schoolhouse one time. I didn't get to meet him. Probably nobody famous in, like, the media or anything, but some generals and things like that that were cool for me, you know. But uh, other people probably wouldn't recognize the names. How is this experience made you a better person you know i think especially after you deploy and you see how the rest of the world um, or certain portions of the world are i think it makes you extremely grateful to live in the united states i can say that personally i think that it gives you a different perspective on life in general you know um and just freedom overall you know what it what it takes to maintain a, a free nation so I think it has made me a better person in a lot of ways. I think that it's given me a lot of organizational skills, a lot of life skills, brought me to a new level of determination in my personal goals, and you know, just made me value what I have all the more. Are you wanting to uh, do this for 20 years? or? You know, I don't know. Um, I initially joined for the experience and just see if I could do it. Um, and as I rank up and progress up, I've got other goals and things that I'd like to accomplish. I really don't know. I haven't, haven't made the decision to go to the full 20 or not. Right. Someone wanted to become like a combat controller or any special branch of military, is there any advice you would give them? I think the first thing is you got to decide how bad you really want it and what your purpose is for it. If you just want to say, I was a Navy SEAL or I was an Army Special Forces guy or whatever, um, just to have that cool guy accolade, I think that will only carry you so far. You know, you have to make the decision how bad you really want to do it and what is your motivation for doing it. Um, I think a common thread amongst, amongst the guys that I've served with uh, across, you know, the SEALs, Rangers, Army Special Forces, the Marine Raiders, uh, the most common thread is uh, selflessness, sacrifice, and service. These guys have an idea that they're willing to, you know, give up their lives if necessary in pursuit of you know, righteous goals in, you know, keeping our nation safe and, uh, you know, helping eliminate tyranny and evil um, across the world where they're asked to. So, so, um, so, so the, the guys that have that attitude you're talking about, like, I want to do it because I want people to think I'm cool. Mm -hmm. 
they're not the ones that are going to stick it out, probably. You know, every everybody has a different or they reason. Will, or they will be, they will become more humble and more yeah, to become the, like the guys you're saying. Like you know. Yeah, the pro the, the process, process works. Yeah, yeah, the process works. So, you know, I, when I say how bad you really want to do it, I'm not saying that guys don't have different motivations for doing it. They can't be successful. That's not what I'm saying by any stretch of the imagination. I just, I guess what I'm trying to get at is you have to really, really want it in order to be successful. So that's the first thing you need to do. So I would encourage guys to do their research, understand what it is, you know, that their job is because, man, there's a million jobs across the military. You know, find something that they feel like they can connect with, that they would be passionate about. Educate yourself that way. And then, you know, if there's physical standards involved, you know, running, swimming, whatever it is, try and way exceed the standard. Because, you know, on your worst day, you want to be able to, to meet the standard, if that makes sense. So, yeah, get smart on the job. Find out if you really want to do it. And then train like crazy yeah. to get... So, you really, if you really want to do this, you need to discipline yourself. And not be sleeping in and eating potato chips. And you need to be exercising and getting up early and... Eating healthy. Learning skills. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a balance. You know, it's just like anything else. If you undertook to be a really good ball player or, you know, golfer or whatever it may be, you know, you have to discipline yourself and you can get a schedule and, and work on that craft. Um, it's not something that's going to happen overnight, you know, and I think a lot of guys just think they're going to be able to, you know, get out on track or get in a pool and be able to accomplish those things quickly. Um, so it takes a, a degree of tenacity and, uh, and I would say not scheduling, but... Uh, you know, just regulating your life um, in order Having to accomplish goals. those goals. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead yeah. and set, set yourself and... up. Yeah. Do you have any funny stories? Oh, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've got one funny story. So this was at our air traffic control school, and we were doing some really big workout, and uh, I can't even really remember what it was that I got in trouble for. Um, but the cadre, we were, there were some like mats where you do like sit-ups or something on there. And that was one of the workouts as you went through. And he yelled at me and told me, he's like, you don't even deserve to be with your team right now. So take your mat out into the middle of the street and just do the sit-ups up out there. <laughs> and like a good recruit, I did what I was told. And so then I take my mat out and I'm just doing sit-ups in the middle of the street, you know, hoping no cars come by there. And then uh, I think it was a closed road, if, now that I remember right. You know, who knows? And then I remember the officer that was in charge of us sticks his head out, and he's like, what are you doing out there? Why are you doing sit-ups in the middle of the road? And I'm like, I was told to come out here. He's like, get back out of here. You know? and so I go back in there, and then, uh, you know, I guess Cadre just messed with me. I don't even remember what I did wrong, but, you know, just funny stuff like that. They they find a way to always keep you on your toes. I bet they have fun doing that. To a degree. Know. I don't yeah. know. I'm sure. You know, it's, <laughs> they never like yell at people. Yeah, they're pretty professional. Um, you know, there's a reason behind everything that they do. Yeah, it's a science. It's a science. So um, they're, they're pretty professional. Um, and I don't know what the learning objective was that day. I think it had something to do with accountability. Right. Keeping accountability of your guys. You know, every now and then if you're walking in a formation and you're supposed to be doing head counts to see how many guys do I have in my formation if we lose somebody or anything like that. So I think that was, if I remember right, that was an early lesson in accountability. You know, hey, make sure you're maintaining. What's the thing they most try to do? Frustrate? 
Is frustration a big thing that they try to... You know, I, I don't know. I think you have inherent frustrations. I think, obviously, keeping you you focused and sharp and working through your procedures even when you're tired. Obviously, endurance is a big one. You know, you'll strap on close to 100 pounds worth of stuff and make mile and mile long... In the heat. You know, ruck marches. Yeah, in the heat, woods, long swims, whatever it may be. They really preach organization, um, squaring away your individual uh, gear, and that's something that starts very early on. You're given a very small amount of gear, and you're expected to keep it in perfect shape and keep it in a certain way and always know where it's at and things like that. And obviously that lesson builds so that, you know, by the time you're out, you know, maybe operating on your own and you've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars worth of equipment and maybe sensitive equipment that you've learned that, that stair-step methodology to maintain your gear and keep everything ready at all times. So, What's the longest swim you've been on? Oh, man. I don't know. Maybe, maybe five kilometers, something like that. Five kilometers, something like that, yeah. You were doing triathlons, though, weren't you, before you joined? No. You something. No. Iron. Iron. No, didn't really do that. Nothing official like that. We would challenge ourselves all the time. Like, if we had been, you know, we had been running for a while, so we're like, hey, let's go run a half marathon today. So we just measured it out and ran a half marathon (laughs) that day just to see if we could do it and see what it would be like. Yeah, so... You've given us a lot of great information. I just want to thank you for coming out tonight and being our guest. If you guys want more content from us, you can find us on Facebook at Be Daring Life, on our website at BeDaringLife.com. If you're enjoying our podcast, give us a review on iTunes. The more reviews we have, the more visible our podcast is. That helps others find us and the great community we're building. So remember to go out and be daring. <laughs>